0: Uh, Southern Baptist m- movement as well. And what I am seeing is this transition to the next generation. The generation before us is um, starting to enter into the advising positions. And even here, I'm starting to see where people are thinking about retirement. And what we have to do as a congregation, I remember just a few years ago having that conversation about, what are we going to do? Are we going to stay a congregation after Dr. Stokes is gone. And we had that discussion, and we said yes. So we have to continue to move that way. I also want to point out, before I get into the scripture, I have seen people starting to step up. People are starting to do the sound system. People are doing the monies. People are starting to partake in coordinating some of the children's services. So I am seeing that growth there. So this is an encouraging message. I want to see more people continuing to grow in that faith because we need people to, um, as we do this, we need people not only to step up and start to do different things right now, but we also need them to start training. And um, I need the next generation or somebody else whenever I'm sick to be able to step up and be here as Mike and I start to get older, we're going to need the next generation. And I know that God's hand is upon some of those younger ones that will be able to stand here and teach from His Word of God. So, let's go ahead and read from Numbers 8, and I'll read verses 23 and 24. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is what applies to the Levites from 25 years old and upward. They shall enter to perform service in the work of the ten of meeting. I know Dr. Stokes has taken us through the scriptures and told us that basically we bought into society when started our families later than what they used to and what God has even intended for us to do. Um, right there from 25 years and upward, I didn't enter into this ministry until I was around 33. I think I've been doing it a little over 7 to 8 years now. And I'm pushing 40. So I know how much more tired I am than when I was 25. But I also know that the Lord is moving and He's using me. He's using other people to continue this ministry that we have going on here. I want to give a little analogy. You guys all know that I like to use visuals because I'm a visual person. So I did bring some. And we're all on the same page. And I'm not going to use this one more than once. (coughs) But this is not the same page as some UMJC conferences. Because they'll wear cowboy hats and they'll do different things. This is more the congregation that plays baseball. And if I'm right, this is the one that everybody likes in here, right? Oh, okay, so it's not always this one. But this is what, this is a game day hat for for my team, right? You may have another team, which I think somebody else brought me, which are on, in the minors, right? The minors? Uh-huh. Ha, it's the angels hat. Everybody's a comedian, that's right. But there is a difference. I had to ask somebody to bring an angel's hat, and they did, so that's good. But there is a difference between being in the game and practicing. The Dodgers, this is a practice hat. There's a lot of different practice hats. People may choose to wear this one. They may choose to wear this one. But when you're practicing, what are you practicing for? You're practicing To make sure you're in the ministry. You're practicing for the game day. This is what we're doing. When you start to partake and start to do things, whenever you're being trained up, I could not be here today without being mentored, without being a part of what was going on beforehand, without having the advisement from Mike years ago saying, You just have to start with what you have. Take responsibility for what you have. And I started out small. And this is where God has placed me today, teaching. And it's such a blessing. But it's also nerve-wracking because I still get things wrong. But I'm so glad I'm here at the Disciple Center because after I teach, somebody will say, and I'm thankful for this, hey, I think you might have got that wrong. Or you may want to think about that. And I appreciate that. Because I do need to think about that. And I'm not always going to get it right. And neither are the musicians, thankfully. And they're less wrong than I am. So it is about practicing. Making sure you're getting prepared for the game day. But it's also about your repetition. Right? We, we dove in the crosses now during this season. We were encouraging that. How many of you got a cross, by the way, that the thing is not... For mine, the cross is digging into me for some reason. I think I have more of a beef than some of you guys do. It's constantly, the way it's structured is going into my, my side. And I'm like, well, okay, obviously I have to deal with something. God, I'll deal with it. Rugged cross. Rugged cross, thank you, Mike. Yeah. So, it is that time. If you haven't been stepping up, if you're not getting into it, it's time to get ready. It's time to practice. It's You have the uniform. God called you to the team. Maybe it's not the Dodgers. Maybe it's Angels. But it's all the same team. We all worship in the same way. Some people wear cowboy hats. Some people wear football helmets. Some people wear baseball. But we're all headed in the same direction. And that's what I love about the UMJC conference because you will see some people wearing cowboy hats and you're still one anothering with them. So, from 25 years and upward, we need to be a part of the ministry. You've got to take part in that. Turn to Ecclesiastes 3. I love this passage because it tells us that there's a season for everything. There is an appointed time, verse 1, for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. I love this because you guys got this going on right now, and we haven't stopped for years. A time to give birth. Yes, we've been doing that, right? (laughs) You're working on it. And a time to die. We haven't entered that season so much. We've had one in this congregation so far, but we will grieve together at some point. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a lot of laughing going on, I hear. And that's a good thing. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones. Please don't throw them this way. And a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. There is a time under this earth that everything happens. It is a time to step up now at the Disciple Center. There is nothing better My my own mom has said, there's nothing better than to see your grandchildren raised in the Lord and see them speaking the words of God because what she instilled in us is now being passed on. It's the same for Dr. Stokes. It's the same for the UMJC rabbis. As the new guard takes place, there's nothing better for them to say than to sit back and go, we must have done something right because they're headed in the same direction we were. Maybe not like we would, but, right? Because things aren't always going to be the same. But we have to one another, and you guys have been one anothering amazingly. I'm hearing stories I've seen, I've been a part of it, where the 91 is backed up, and it's like we can't get there, or if we do, we're going to be so frustrated we can't worship. But you don't turn around and go home. You actually turn around and go fellowship together and have lunch together still. That's what Dr. Stokes imprinted in us. That's what I've heard the stories of. I don't have to travel to 91. But that's, that's great. That's what I've been hearing. And that's what we've been encouraging. I've also heard a story where there's been a lot of illness lately, right? But that families are still saying, you know what? We'll still do the worship time. We'll still do the presentation of selves. We're teaching our younger ones, even though we're sick, at home. And the little ones are getting it. Just today, I had a little one who is usually here in the morning before a lot of people, because her parents are here practicing music, come up and say, I'd like to start a Greek and Hebrew class. And I said, whoa, what do you mean by that? She said, we, some of us would like to teach the younger ones the alphabet. I said, really? Why don't we why don't we set some time aside next Sunday before church starts and I'll go over and if you guys know all your Hebrew and all your Greek, I'll announce it and you guys can teach it to the younger ones under supervision, right? That's amazing that they're wanting to do that. We're doing something right. I also believe we still have some things to encourage and some things to practice. First Timothy, 1 First Timothy 3, 1 through 15. This lays out what a deacon, an elder needs to be classified, but I also believe within these passages everybody needs to be going towards this, practicing towards this. So 1 Timothy 3. 3. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work He desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach. Aren't we all supposed to be above reproach? The husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. Shouldn't we all be temperate, prudent, and respectful, and hospitable? Those are things that we should all be aspiring to. Not everybody's going to be able to teach, I get it. Not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. I know sometimes we say, I could use a little bit more money, God. I don't love it, but a little bit more might be nice. But we can't seek after it. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. This is something that I have seen some of the pastors and some of the people do that are up here doing things. And whenever you know one of our children starts to tr- struggle in a way we have to step down just for a little bit to work with our child to get them to you know understand that there are boundaries whenever we're worshiping that's that's what we're supposed to be doing and that's what has always and I say this again has always been encouraged and one thing Dr. Stokes has always said your family comes first Trevor don't ever forget that and I have it, and I won't, and I encourage that even today. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. Listen, we're not. I don't see any new converts in here. And even if you're a new member, we're not going to put you in a position where you're taking leadership roles. But it doesn't mean that you can't come alongside somebody and start to learn a role, but we're not going to put you in that. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or Fond of sordid gain. But holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, these men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife, and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Messiah Yeshua, Christ Jesus. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth that last piece right there really seems like it's generalized. He's telling them why they need... And these are the instructions of how you should conduct yourselves and how the church should conduct itself here. So, to me, again, I see that. I understand. And yes, I get it. When you're a pastor, when you're a deacon, you're actually allowing yourself to to serve others, and people are likely to hold you more accountable, that's fine, because I want to be held more accountable, but at the same time, I'm going to hold you accountable to a lot of this stuff as well, or maybe even all of it. So I ask, right, there's a lot more eyes on me as a pastor, and I get that. That's why I put James 3, 1 through 2 in there. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. I've told you guys over and over, I'm not perfect. I'm going to get stuff wrong. I've been called and said I had even the scripture wrong. But I'm able and I'm willing to stand here today and say, I'm practicing. Remember, I don't have... The game day is when Christ actually changes all of us. And we'll all get the game day hat. But right now, I'm practicing, but I'm doing my best. And we all are. That's what I'm saying. But we, there's some of us that need to step up because I can't fill every position in here. Mike can't fill every position in here. And there are positions that are... Now, stepping away because they don't live amongst us or they don't live close enough to continue to fill them, but I also believe God is working on people here and will put people in those positions and will and they'll they'll reap the blessings of it, but it's time for us to step up. Turn over to first Peter first Peter two one to twelve. <clears throat> This, I know that Peter's talking to to the Jews here, but at the same time, are we not joining with the Jewish people, coming alongside them? This passage speaks about a royal priesthood. And it appears here that he is writing to the General Assembly in the diaspora. So, is he pinpointing just the Levites? No, he's pinpointing all the Jews. So two, First Peter two: 1 through 12. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like a newborn baby's, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. I'm going to pause there. We have all been blessed. We have all tasted the kindness of Dr. Stokes. We have. We've sat in our seats for years and listened. We have to move from the milk to actual food now. And you know what that means? We have to start doing. And you know what that does? That passes along the knowledge and how to be in the game and do the ministry to the younger generation As I said, one of the girls stepped up today and said, I want to teach the younger ones the Greek and Hebrew. That came from somebody that's doing the ministry here. And I would gesture that that is why it's also being done in their house and it's encouraged and why she could step up because she knows and she's seen it. So... That leaves some of us, not all of us, and again, this is supposed to be an encouraging message. Okay, I'm not digging. I'm just encouraging. We have to step up. Picking back up in verse 4. And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, All of us? Yeah. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Who else would we want to do that for but Him? For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in Him will not be disappointed. None of us will be disappointed. We know who we have faith in and who we trust and lay our treasures in. The precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a reckoning offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. Don't, don't go that direction. You don't want to be that stone. But you are a chosen race. All of us, a chosen race. We would not be sitting here today unless we were chosen by God to be in His family and to be suited up. We are all chosen by Him. A royal priesthood may not like to think about it, but you are representing God and we're all chosen. A holy nation you're all the people, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Wow, we are one of His. We're His possession. That's why whenever you start to walk away and you haven't turned back, I tell people, get out of God's way because He's liable to spank that person really bad. And Dr. Stokes is the first one that would say he got one. But it turned him back and look at what... Who's sitting here today because God, he decided to turn back. What a blessing. And I've actually incurred some of that blessing because of that. Because of him who turned back. Who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We've all received that mercy. We have to take it seriously and humble ourselves. I am not the preaching type. I'm the serving type. I grew up with deacons. I didn't grow up with pastors. I would be the last one over 10 years ago for you guys. If people said 20 years ago, what are you going to do, Trevor? I wouldn't have said pastor There was one aunt, though, who said, you're going to be a pastor. I said, you're crazy. I remember saying that to her. You are crazy. I will not become a pastor. She tells me today, told you. (laughs) So, beloved. (laughs) Yeah. The stories I'll share. Beloved I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers they may because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. That's what you know, that's the part that I I know is written to the Jews. I get that. They're talking about the Gentiles. But if I I made a little adaption to it, keep your behaviors excellent among the non-believers so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Look, see, so that can include us. Let's just make that quick little change. Because the Gentiles, the non-believers are out there, and it's getting a lot more separated. I've never seen it like this in my whole life, especially this country. It's going to get more of a divide. And as some people have said, we've got to instill this in our kids, because one day, this is hateful speech. We're being told as pastors, especially in Canada, you can't preach certain things from the Word of God anymore, because it's hate speech. It's going to get worse. Take one of these and hide it somewhere because they're likely to come and get it as they come and get my guns. Right? So that's a first Peter passage. You can look up Isaiah 66, 18 to 21, for the sake of time in the business meeting coming up. But it talks about every nation will be gathered to Israel. That means us. We'll be gathered with Israel as we're part of the nations. But Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8. Are we special? Are the Jewish people special? Out of all the people of the world, are they special? Or are they just chosen? Let's look what it says. The Lord did not set His love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number. Than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of all the peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Are they a special people? Yes, to God they are. Or are they special people because of themselves? They're not. Are we a special people because of ourselves? No. We're special because God chose us not to replace them, but to come alongside them. He's the potter. We're the clay. There's no difference between me and that person that's sinning out there, except the potter said, I'm going to take this lump of dough and I'm going to form it. And I said, yes. That's the difference. Submitting and giving your life to Christ is two different things. You can give your life to Christ and turn away. But submitting to Him and being obedient is what He wants. And He can make things happen. Like putting words into somebody's mouth that would have never spoken, was frightened to do public speaking. But you're my family, I can do that now, right? I can also cry in front of you, which other people started a few years ago. (laughs) But He makes us special. We don't make ourselves special. Turn back to Numbers 8. As I said, there's a changing of the guard in the UMJC. There's a changing of the guard within the Southern Baptist movement. You're starting to see... Actually, I don't think you're seeing a change in the ages of people but we're just getting closer to that age where we take and represent the next generation. 80 is a lot closer than it was 10 years ago for me. As I was researching this and the the changes that need to occur, I looked at the unfortunate death rate and the ages, and I thought to myself, do you guys know what that is? In my mind, for some reason, I thought it was 100. It's not. For men in the U.S., it's 76 years old. For women who are going to outlive us, it's only six years more. It's 80 or 81 or something. 82. Thank you. You did the simple math. Thank you. (coughs) But like Mike said earlier today, We're here for a short period of time. And if we submit to Him, we can do marvelous things. We can do awesome things, but it's not us. It's Him. Numbers 8, 23. Let's read all this now to 26. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is what applies to the Levites from 25 years old and upward, they shall enter to perform service in the work of the ten of meeting. but at the age of 50 years old years they shall re- retire from service in the work and not work anymore they may however there is still a position for them they are wise in their ways and god sets it up here they may however assist their brothers in the tent of meeting to keep an obligation, but they themselves shall do no work. Thus, you shall deal with the Levites concerning their obligation. You see, they can become advisors. There's a place for them. We would be stupid or idiots if we didn't turn to them and say, how's this work? But if we don't take up the mantle and start to do what needs to be done in the ministry itself, how are our kids going to learn? Is it going to be lost? I don't think it is. I think the people here have started to step up and wear the game day hats. I've seen it in the children's department. I've seen it with some of the stuff going on. Even last year, we we nominated... The person to take over treasure. I'm seeing different people start to step up. I'm saying that more of us actually need to do that because in case something happens, I like to cross over and make sure somebody knows what's going on at all times. So if somebody, if I stand here and I'm giving a sermon, and man, I would love for this to happen, so don't freak out. I would love to have a heart attack and die right here doing God's word. My grandfather asked. He had two wives pass away of cancer. He said, God, I don't want to die of cancer. I've seen it. I would like to die. He loves the farm. Working, plowing the fields, cultivating the soil. But if I can't stop driving the tractor and it makes it difficult on somebody, let me just be working on a tractor. He died working on a tractor. God blessed him in that way. Sorry, babe. Some reason I don't come home, and I've been up here studying. Call Mike and say, "Hey, Trevor's been there a long time." And I would have been went out studying God's word, preparing to teach you guys. My dream, however, is to pass this song to somebody that's been born in the congregation. And let them take over. We've retarded the system. Even I, myself, have retarded the system and had kids later. So I'll, I'll stay in ministry. Bruce has stayed in ministry until he's close to 70, 60. Don't quote me on that. Don't <laughs> let him hear this part. Let's cut it out. Okay, good. So he is close to 70. Good, thank you. So he's he's win over. And he's ready to actually start to be an advisor. I've heard that from him. Let's make him sit back in those years and go, I did it right. I turn back to God. And they're moving forward. And we can seek to glorify God, not to glorify Bruce, but to glorify the Heavenly Father. That's what we need for the next generation. And I know, I know with encouragement and supporting others to love and good deeds, I've seen it where people are stopping and praying for other people, denying themselves and putting themselves out because they're fasting, and fasting is not easy. But you guys are doing it. I'm encouraging you to take the practice up a step. Let's go to him today. Abba, we come to you.